morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Greg. For those of you who don't know me, uh, <laughs> I've, uh, I'm an elder at the, the morning congregation here, and I've um, got a lovely, beautiful, amazing wife and three fantastic boys. Aaron's one of them, and sitting in front here. And uh, oh, it's just such a privilege to be here. It really is such a privilege to be here and to, uh, and to share God's w- word with you and the, and the words that he's planted on my heart for us this morning. So, uh, who of you believe that God speaks in pictures? Okay, so often, quite often I get pictures from the Lord, and, and I'd like to think this particular one was a dream, because young men dream dreams, but it was actually a vision. So, Ari's right. I think he was, in his own way of mocking me, he was prophetic. You know, it was actually a, it was a vision that I saw, and a very simple picture of, um, actually, it, it, it came to me when Andrew was here, and one of the things that dropped into my heart, he said to me, or not to me, well, it felt like he was speaking to me, but he said, how well are we reflecting Jesus? And just a simple word like that just dropped into my heart, and immediately I saw, sorry, um, 70, are you, uh, Gino's new nickname is 70. You know why? 7-0. Liverpool beat Manchester United. So, <laughs> I know, I should be nice to Gino, I should have said this at the end, because he can still sabotage the, the AV here. But this is the picture that the Lord showed me, and, um, and just such an amazing revelation to me of how, uh, I don't know if you, who of you have done physics, but um, this you would have seen in, in probably standard 7 or standard 8 or grade 9, um, where they sh- you shine light, white light, into a prism, and because of the refraction, the reflection, it, it, it breaks up that light into this beautiful rainbow. And I just think there's such a beautiful picture of how God's light and His love and His wholeness shines in us and through us and the reflection that it, that, it, that it gives when we allow Him to do it. And so I just wanted to break this picture up a little bit as we go, go through things. And uh, if we can start off by just looking at the light. So the light being God's Spirit. And... Um, and in the scriptures, so if we have a look at the light, it represents God, His presence. It actually represents Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we, if we have a look at the biblical significance of light, it's, we find that if you could put up the scripture there, Gino, or 70, uh, Genesis 1 verses 3, it's actually the first thing that God creates. He says in the, it says there, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And, um, and the earth in this form, in the void, and the darkness was all over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So, and then God said, let there be light. And there was light. If we have a look at 1 John 1 verses 5 to 7, it says, This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you, that God is light. And in Him is no darkness at all. So interesting. God's not gray. He can't be gray. There's either darkness or light. God is light. And in Him there's no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, He is in the light. We have fellowship with, uh, with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So it was just amazing that presence of the Lord when we were in worship and just, just how the Lord has been leading us into these things. It just ties in so nicely with that. Um, one other scripture, sorry, I'll get all the scriptures out the way. It's John 8 verses 12. It says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I'm the light. So this is Jesus now saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then lastly, oh, 
And so just, just out of interest, so one of the things that you speak to physicists, they say, you know, light is the fastest traveling thing known to man. And what's quite interesting is that somebody said to me the other day, he said, no, but darkness is actually faster than light because as soon as light goes on, the darkness goes before the light. So it's just interesting how in God's kingdom that, that, um, that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and him are, are, are the light of the world. And, um, and yeah. And then, then last, last scripture is John 12, verses 46. It says, I've come to the world as light so that whoever believes in me may, may not remain in darkness. So um, we need to allow God's light to shine and his spirit to shine in us and through us. If we have a look at the prism in that picture, so the prism is representative of our lives and our hearts. And Ephesians 5, verses 8 to 14 says, For those uh, for at one time you were in darkness, but now you are the light of the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but, but instead expose them. For it should be shameful even to speak of these things that they do, not, uh, that they do in secret. But if anything is exposed in the light, it becomes visible. So just remember that. So anything that is exposed in the light becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So the most important thing, the first step of allowing Jesus to shine in us through is actually to allow him. And that's what we do when we come to salvation. We actually allow God's light to shine in us. We've got to give him permission. That light is such a gentle light. It's like sunlight. It doesn't force itself in. It actually just, it's waiting for us to allow him in. And uh, so that's the first step of faith um, and obedience that we walk in. And then the other thing is, is that we've got to allow God to have his way in us. So if you, if you look at that picture of the prism with the light shining, if you put your hand in front of that white light, nothing's going to reflect. So I really feel that the Lord is saying that we need to get ourselves out the way sometimes. We need to get that, our hand out the way so that he can have his way. It's the only thing that prevents us from receiving that, that love and that perfect, that perfect white light in our lives is ourselves. And if we can just get ourselves out the way, he can have his way and, and portray this amazing um, rainbow. And one of the things, you know, this rainbow represents is, is really fruit, isn't it? So the rainbow is the light that comes in, is the light, the prism is our lives and our hearts. And then the reflection of this beautiful rainbow is the fruit in our lives. And, um, and what's interesting, that fruit is not really for us. It's actually for who? Fruit for a tree is not for itself. It's for the people around it. And that's the reflection of Jesus that we want to portray and, uh, and, and have in our lives. So, so the prism is representative of our lives and hearts. Um, so, so as I was saying, you, you know, that you have a you have a shining in us, and you have a shining through us, and the in us. Is interesting. It's, it's basically shining initially when God shines his light in us. It's, enable, it's for us to be able to see what we've got in our lives that shouldn't be there. So his light shines in us. And, uh, and yeah, it's really just to highlight things in our lives that we need to, uh, need to address. And that brings it, that's keeping us, keeping that light from shining through us. Um, 
So we don't know what we can't see. It's quite interesting. And uh, I think it's one of the advantages of, of being married, I think, is that often <laughs> things that we can't see, our wives very pick, well, my wife certainly, certainly points them out. And I'm really grateful for that, actually, because we all have blind spots. So we don't know what we can't see. And if you're in the dark, just think about a, a dark room. There's not much you can do with a dark room. But as soon as you turn the light on, it becomes useful. So, uh, so just, just as I'm speaking, just yeah, um, let the Holy Spirit minister to you and, and, uh, and, and, and reveal these things to you. So we don't know what we can't see. When His light shines on us, we are made aware of our shortcomings and sin. So often I pray for people, and the picture I get is, is this house. And how God's light is shining in our, in our, in, into our house and the rooms of our house. And quite often I see a closed door, which is an area that God wants to shine. And uh, it's just an amazing picture of how sometimes we, we have these doors closed, these areas of our lives. We might be lying, allowing God to shine to certain areas of our lives, but there's certain parts that we, that we keep closed that He can't shine in and through us. And, um, and yeah, so this is the picture that I often see when I'm praying for people. And there's just this burning desire as the light shines, this burning desire for God to enter into those areas of your life because He wants to bring you into the fullness. He wants to come in and invade your life, every area of your life, not just some of the rooms in your, in your life. You know, I'm reminded of that story with the Dominis. I think Stefan tells it very well. When the Domini comes, I think in Otsu, and there's still some houses that have got that little Domini room. Because there's a little room where the Domini comes, and that room is always perfect. And he comes and sits, and you have your, here's his thing, and I don't know if there's a little black book that he brings out. This is all hearsay. But, um, but that's, we, we can't allow God just to enter into that little room. We need, to, we need to open up all of our life to him, and all areas, and allow his light to shine into all these rooms. Of our lives. And as we allow this light to shine, it brings healing and freedom, fullness of joy. And in His presence, there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. There's a love that covers a multitude of sin. And then the through us. So this is obviously I was speaking about God shines in, into us and then through us. And that really is just, as I mentioned earlier, for the benefit of everybody around it. It's this beautiful picture of when we allow God to shine, allow Him to enter into every room of our, of our lives, that, he, that this beautiful picture of a rainbow um, is, is reflected. And really, that's the point to Jesus at the end. It's a reflection of who Jesus is. If we look at the fruits, you want to ask yourself, what is God's nature? And he even says in the Bible, you, they'll, they'll, they'll be judged by their fruits. He's referring to bad people. But the same is true for, for the Lord. Is his fruits are his nature. And this, these are, the, these are the, the natures that we want to take on. And, uh, and it's just this beautiful picture of how when we respond to him and we allow him in, how um, this beautiful picture is, is then presented. And it's for everybody else around us. It's for the fruit. It's for the people um, to, to enjoy and to be drawn in. And it's just amazing how it all points to Jesus. I was reminded, you know, the, the New Testament, oh, sorry, the Old Testament points to Jesus, points forward to Jesus, and then Jesus uh, lived on earth and then he died. And then the New Testament ba basically points back to Jesus. And so our lives must also point to Jesus. And that's what we want. That's what we want to reflect is his nature. We want his fruit uh, to be um, present and, a, and, a, and, and presented to to all around us.
And this, this wonderful rainbow is just such a beautiful picture of a matureness that comes. And that, that's what we're already wanting to attain, is the fullness of Christ and to come into full maturity. And if we have a look at Ephesians 4.13, so this is just after Ephesians 12. Uh, Ephesians 14, uh, why well, I mentioned 4.12 is because that's the scripture that we all know quite well. But this is after uh, 4, 4, uh, 4.12, so 4.13. It says, until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, yeah, it's his nature that we want to share, that, that, that he wants to share with us, so that we can be fulfilled, that we can come into the fullness of Christ, and more importantly, that we can reflect him to others, and that we can be an example to others. So, it's not so much what we, it's, it's not so much, um, more, uh, what makes more of an impact on people is not seeing how you, uh, seeing how you live rather hearing what you're saying. Is this good, guys? Are you hearing this? All right, and then just having a look at the rainbow. It represents a reflection of Jesus and the fruits of the Spirit. The, the rainbow is also representative of His promise and love. Uh, it's God's nature that we want to reflect. So, what I want to challenge you, or, or challenge you this morning, is if we're not reflecting those, those rainbows, if we're not reflecting His fruits, then maybe there's something that's obscuring. Um, Aidan was pointing out this morning that you get something that can be translucent, and it can be transparent, and then it can, can be completely, uh, what's the last one? Opaque. And uh, so we sort of, some of us, I think, these little rainbows, or these parts of the rainbows, and um, one of the things I wanted to just ask us to do is to, is to have some introspection as to see, is there anything that I'm not reflecting um, and, and, and not reflecting Jesus properly? And so having a look at the rainbow and the different uh, fruits that are, are there. So the, the, the nine fruits are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So having a look at the first one. And the Lord really pointed out, wanted me, I felt like I needed to emphasize the first one and the last one. So the first one being love, and then the one that we always tend to forget about and comes to sort of mumble when you rattle them all off is self-control. But I, I'd like to actually just go through all of them, if you don't mind. So, um, so the Bible says in John that God is love. It actually starts, so he starts off with the two, first, uh, the first, uh, first and second commandments. It's really the, the vertical and the horizontal love that we need to exhibit and we need to reflect. And the horizontal, vertical, is between loving, so the first commandment says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind. And the second one says, love your neighbor as yourself. And so these are, these are, these, these are fruits that we need to be as Christians. That's probably the most important one, isn't it? Because God is love. And if we to reflect Him, we need to be able to reflect love. And so one of the things I felt to speak to you guys this morning about is, is that if we're not able to reflect His love, then uh, are we actually receiving his love? Because you can't, you can't reflect unless you're receiving. And uh, one of the things that I, I felt this morning is, is that prevents us. So one of these things that prevents that light to flow through us is unforgiveness. Um, and there's a scripture that, that says in Matthew 6 verse 14 to 15, um, essentially means unforgiveness can prevent the flow of love. So for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you for your trespasses. So, 
Yeah, I think on, you know, forgiveness is such a big thing on God's heart. If you think about it, it's, it's really, I think, the big, you know, when, when, when Adam and Eve sinned against him, that was one of the, that was the, the hardest thing, I think, for him to do when, 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 we, when I say we, when Adam and Eve sinned against him. Um, it's just for him to forgive. And I think, you know, for us, I think it's also one of these big things. I know in foundations, we've just done foundations uh, with, with all the, the relatively new guys that have joined the church. And, um, and one of the big things, one of the, one of the main topics is actually on unforgiveness. And it's one of those things that can really prevent the flow and the freedom that, uh, that God's love uh, brings to us and, and can operate through us. So I wanted to really encourage you, if you've um, had any unforgiveness, and sometimes it's not apparent, you know. Um, tell you a quick story. I had a, at our house, we've got a lovely view of the bay, and my neighbor down the bottom, which, who I don't really know, because we don't speak, speak to the bottom side, because it's, uh, it's, it's quite a steep earth. Sorry, it's not a <laughs> hierarchy thing or anything. I know what it sounds like, sorry. But, but what was interesting is, is I went away for a long weekend and, um, and got back, and there was this telephone pole right in our view. And the guy had actually made, he had, he had cleared his earth, and, and he had already put up the house, um, but he needed to move this, this line. So he moved it so that it was right on our boundary, but it basically, you look out the kitchen window and you look into this pole. And, you know, it just happened at the same time, you know, as I got back from the weekend, I got there, I saw this pole, and then the Umi was unfortunately down in his garden, busy uh, gardening. So I looked at him, and I don't know, even know where the words come from. Afrikaans, not bad, but I said, Wim, that is by your own bedachsam. And I was like... <laughs> So for those of you who are English, it means inconsiderate. You know, it's probably the biggest Afrikaans word I know. And, and I looked at this poll and I was like, oh man, could he not have? And he said, no, it's telkom. And I said, yeah, but Wim, you had gefraud that I let it scafe. You know, could you not have maybe just made a plan and, and considered us behind you, you know? And he sort of shrugged his shoulders. So I gave him a glare and uh, w- walked off and sort of mumbled to myself. And then every morning I wake up and I sit with my breakfast and I look at this poll. <laughs> and it was quite funny. The Lord eventually said to me, Greg, as silly as it sounds, actually a friend, a, a guy that's not even a Christian said to me, no man, just go take the guy Melktat. He said, Melktat solves all the problems in the world. He says he solved so many problems with offenses with a Melktat. And I thought, oh, why is this guy telling me, you know, what does he even know, you know? And, I, and when I was sitting there the one morning, and this went on for about six months, and, uh, and the one morning I was sitting there and I just thought to myself, Jesus just said to me, like, I've managed to forgive you. You need to be able to forgive this guy. And it wasn't such a, I mean, it's not really such a big deal. It was more of a, like almost a joke, but I realized like unforgiveness had crept into my heart towards this guy. And he actually said to me, you know that Paul, he says, go and put a cross this way so you remember every time you look at that Paul, you remember how I forgave you first. And it was amazing, you know, and I just forgave the guy. And so my point is that even as silly as that one sounded, there was unforgiveness that crept into my heart. And I think there's probably, amongst us, there's probably even more deep-rooted unforgiveness with, between, between husbands and wives, between fathers and sons, um, that, that creeps in over time that we're not even aware of. Remember I said we can't see, we, can't, we don't know what we can't see. So sometimes these things are sitting in us and we need the Holy Spirit to reveal them to us. Because that's the only way we can actually then come into freedom and, 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 uh, and forgive so that His love can flow in us and through us. And once we forgive, that flow can, can happen again. So, yeah, so if you're sitting with unforgiveness, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe pray a little bit later just, to, just for an opportunity to forgive anybody. But I just, you know, brothers and sisters, neighbors like me, 
leaders is a big one where offense comes in and, 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 uh, and unforgiveness can, can be there. But the good news is that love is a fruit and it's, and it's a gift that we can actually ask for. Who knows we can actually ask for love? We can ask God for love. So when I moved to, Mos- uh, moved to Josh in about 10 years ago, I came from a, a church that didn't really, um, it didn't really focus on evangelism. So there wasn't a lot of, um, there weren't a lot of new people coming in and there wasn't much life in the church. Eventually, it was one of the reasons why we decided, you know, as a family and we've been there for a very long time, we decided to actually move. And uh, when I came to Josh and I was bowled over by the amount of love people show and, and, the, and especially the love for the lost. I just couldn't understand it. You know, I thought, well, why should I care about anybody outside of who I know? And once again, Jesus said, but I've, I, that's my heart. You need to take on my heart and my heart is for the lost and to bring uh, the lonely into family. And she's like, this is the problem. You ask for stuff and then he gives it to you because what then happened, I said, Lord, give me a heart for the lost. I can see there's something missing. This part of the rainbow in my life is not reflecting you. I don't have this love that these other people, and I see Aiden has for the lost, inviting people around to their house and, and just wanting to bring them into family, bring the lonely into family. So I said to the Lord, Lord, just give me this, give me this heart for the lost. And I remember sitting there the one Sunday, and I just, as the altar call came up, I just started, I just started this emotion just started welling up inside of me. And ever since then, I get, like even now thinking about it, <clears throat> I, get, I get quite emotional about just wanting, wanting that, that heart for people and that, and that there's this love that God's got for us and that we need to show to the world. Because the world needs it. They need that love. There's so many lonely people out there that really need our love. And, um, and actually not our love. It's actually God's love that shines in us and through us. Um, guys, we, you know, we have to love. So Ephesians 14 verses 16 says, From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds up itself in love. So, you know, I want to encourage you that that love is always there. That light that is shining is always there. It's just sometimes we can put our hand in the way to prevent his love from flowing. And it can be things like unforgiveness. It can be sometimes if you never know how to receive love, that you don't know how to give love. I find that's often with, with, with dads and sons or dads and daughters or even, I suppose, moms and, and daughters, is that love doesn't flow because you don't know how to receive that love. And this morning, God's saying he wants to reveal this to you because it's only through revelation of how he loves us that we are able to love others, just like I did with, um, with, with the lost and people outside of who I know. Um, and it's incredible to think that you can have this love for people that you don't, don't even know. It's a concept that I couldn't understand. But through his revelation and asking for it, it was, it was revealed. And then God just doesn't, doesn't just love Christians. He sent his son to die so that whoever believes in Jesus can truly understand the magnitude of his love. All right, enough about that. Joy. In God's light and in his presence... There is fullness of joy. This is what Psalm 16:11 says, and I think that was, you know, more than likely written by David. And I think he really just understood um, God's heart. God actually says He was a man after my own heart. And um, so Psalm Psalm 16 says, "In His sorry, I don't know if that 
Make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And, your, and at your right hand are the pleasures forevermore. So one of the things I think you can maybe say the other way is, I don't know if there's any way of coming into his presence and not having joy. I think this morning was just an amazing example of that. Just this, you know, I always used to say to myself when I was younger, I said, I don't know about this heaven idea. I said, playing a harp for the rest of your life next to the stream just doesn't make any sense. As a young man, I grew up thinking, who would want to really go? And you just sit there, what do you do, you know? And uh, until I started engaging in his presence, and uh, I find a lot of the time it's in my quiet time, or even in worship, in corporate worship, in my own worship, and you engage in his presence, and there's this fullness of joy that you receive. And, and, and just how heaven sometimes just opens itself up, and we see a bit of it, and then it sort of closes again, and you're like, wow, that's where, we, that's where we're going. That's where this, you know, this, this worship that's going to be 24-7 is just going to be so amazing, because you see a little snip of it every now and again. So the key to joy, guys, is, is uh, being in his presence. That's also one of the things we need to reflect to others. Uh, one, of the, one of the bands in the rainbow that we want to reflect to others because um, we want to, we want to yeah, I mean, being a Christian is fun. And there's joy in, uh, in being in his presence. And that joy we want to show to the world um, because it's something that we need. Um, I think there's so much that robs us of our joy. You say rob, a lot of people say, oh, this thing robs me of my joy. You know, ESCOM. We've got lots of government. Some other examples. Tax. Yeah. It's a bit close to home for me. I've just finished the provisional tax season. It was really tough trying to get money out of people this year. You know, it was like, feel like, felt like Matthew, the tax collector. Uh, what else? What else robs us of our, of our superficial joy? Anything else? Okay. So there's all these things that, are, that, that, that come up against us that can rob us of joy, you know, and we start feeling uncomfortable about the country that we're living in or whatever it is. But there's something, just as, just as Lord this morning was speaking to me about how, how you can say something makes me happy, it gives me joy, you know, you eat a, a burger and it makes you happy for a while. But after the burger's finished, Ari, you forget about the burger and then you're hungry again half an hour later. And, uh, and these, this is just sort of superficial happiness. And likewise, all these things that come up against us as Christians in the world, it's just superficial. And we need to understand that, that our joy is in Him. And it's His joy that gives us strength. Not, not anything else. It's His joy that gives us the strength to actually, um, to, to, uh, to, to sort of not get through the world, but, uh, but really to see us through. It's, it's going to be His strength and uh, His joy that's going to give us that strength. So we can ask him for joy as well. We can ask him for joy. And um, yeah, I want to I want to encourage you if, if if it's something that you've lost or you felt that you've lost over the last little while. You know, I had a horrible time, and it was also superficial stuff, just work, and I had all kinds of excuses to be unhappy. And I love doing sport, you know. And I got bitten by a seal the other day, and had to do everybody's taxes. And uh, I was feeling a little bit sorry for myself, you know, and I said to the Lord, Lord, I just need, I need some joy, man. I need your joy. And really, just once again, I just spent time with him. I sat in his word and uh, sat with you guys and came to church, got involved in all the activities around church, which helps you. Because the more I sort of rub shoulders and see joy in Aiden's life, and the more I see joy in Robert's life, the more joy I feel as well. And it's his joy. It's not, it's not their joy. It's his joy that I see and feel. And... Uh, 
I just want to encourage you guys is you can ask him for joy. You can ask him, Lord, refresh me. Give me joy again. I want to dance on the stage like Ari. <laughs> and, uh, and he will give it to you. He's a good God. All right. Sorry, guys. I know this might be taking a little bit long, but it's important. So peace is the third one. When, God, when God's light shines through us, there's peace that transcends all understanding. About 20 years ago, I was just I was busy studying and uh, and and I was sort of at the peak of sort of speak uh, peak of my life uh, at, at about 20 I was about 24 25 years old and uh, I was busy going to write my, one of my final exams and uh, I had a bit of a complication I went to the doctor and didn't think too much of it sitting there chatting to the doctor about golf and he he stopped and he was busy doing a sonar and he and he stopped and he and I said what's it doc so he said, no, there's a big chance that this black part, and he showed me on the sonar that he said, no, this black part is cancer. So as a young man, you kind of think, oh, cancer, that just can't happen to young people. And I remember standing up, and he said, I said, what now? So he, so, so he says, I want you to go home, fetch your toothbrush and your pajamas, and we're going to operate on you in an hour. So I mean, this is just walking in, just about to write my exam. My mom actually said to me, just go get checked out, man, because otherwise you're going to, and I said, no, I'm not even worried about it. And she just made the appointment, fortunately. And so, he, so this doc says, go, go home, get your toothbrush and your pajamas, and I'll, I'll see you up in the hospital in, in, in an hour. So I stood up, and I nearly passed out. I said, can I just lie down here a little bit? You know? And I laid down a bit, and he chatted to me for a while. And then I got up, and I went, went home. And uh, at least I wasn't 36 living with my folks. I was only 24. <laughs> and see... It always comes back, you see, the, the one who has the mic in the end. Eh? And so I was 24, <laughs> 24, living with my folks, still busy as a student. And I walked into the house and I said, this is what happened. They all laughed at me because they thought I was joking. And I said, no, this is, this is real. The doctor, they want to operate. They're getting a pathologist to come from George. And in an hour's time, they're going to check me out. And so during that time, I'd... I'd from Aaron's age, really made a commitment to the Lord. And I'd gone to a Christian school, lived in a Christian family. But I went through a stage in my life where I drift, drifted completely away from God. And I just, I knew him and I knew what I was doing was wrong, but I didn't have a relationship with him anymore. I think if my rainbow had to come up there, it would have been pretty bland, bleak. Yeah, all of that. And, and I remember this, going home, getting my pajamas, going up to the hospital, had an operation, they found out that it was malignant, and they had to remove the cancer straight away. But that wasn't the, the, sort of the bad part for me, because you don't even see much of that. And I woke up, and then the next day they said, well, we now have to scan you. And obviously that's when you start stressing a bit. Like you think, well, I, trouble, I, I had trouble about a year before that with, with the same issue. And I thought, well, how long has this cancer been inside of me? And, uh, and that was where the fear started coming in. And I remember going through the scanner. You know, they put you through these um, CT scanners to check. They make you swallow stuff to see your digestive system. And they make inject stuff into your bloodstream to see your blood flow and whether there's any obstructions. And I remember lying there and thinking, oh, I see my dad at the back there. Uh, actually, I was, my dad was standing outside and I thought, there's only so much he can do. There's only so much the doctors can do. And it's actually quite impersonal. And they, I mean, you understand it because everybody has to be out of the, the x-ray. I think it's quite bad for you. Um, Hanuman will know more, but you. But basically, it's just this voice that speaks to you. It says, "Breathe in, hold, breathe out." And I lay there, and 
and I just realized that I didn't want fear. And the only thing I could think was to grab hold of part of the relationship that I'd had with the Lord. And I just reached out to him. I said, Lord, I need to know you again. I don't even, I don't even care if I die. If I have to die, it's, it doesn't matter anymore. But I need to just know you again and just give me your peace. And I'll tell you, it's a peace that transcends all understanding that came over me that day. And I just can't, I just don't know how to explain it. It's just, it's just a peace that, that, that only he can give. And you can ask for it too. That's the good news. If you don't have peace, if you've got inner turmoil and uh, battling with stuff that the world's throwing at you, and you feel like you're in this whirlwind, the Lord says he wants to draw you to himself, and he wants to put you in the eye of the storm where there's peace and there's stillness. And when you get into that place where there's stillness and there's, and, and there's contentment and there's peace that transcends, transcends all that understanding, then he can give you perspective. And then he can calm you down. He calms you down. He says, Greg, this is where we need to go. And even if you've got to go back out of that tropical cyclone, there's one that hit Mauritius the other day. <laughs> um, don't want to scare Marissa. No, they just missed it. They're on their way there now in, in April to plant a church. Um, it's amazing. But even though you might have to go through that storm again, but you just know that there's a peace that's in your heart, that, that God is in control of everything, even if we have to face death. And I really genuinely, I know it's easy to say now, but at that moment, I felt if God had to take me, and then he, all that is important is my relationship with him. And he gave me that peace, um, which you can ask for as well. All right, and then patience, kindness, goodness, and gentleness. I did those all together because they're all sort of similar, and that all ties in with love. If you look at the definition of 1 Corinthians 13, it says love is patient and love is kind. So I think if we're battling with any of those things, if we've got things like temper in our lives, or um, it's probably love, you know, not knowing how to receive his love. And if you find yourself not exhibiting those fruits, then maybe there's an area that God wants to, to work in your life so that he can shine that light in you and through you. And then faithfulness. Are we faithful? In the Bible it says the righteous will, will live by faith. And I think that's the key. So righteousness means right standing with the Lord. And one of the other things uh, that it says as well is that it's, it's and I think uh, Ari mentioned it this morning, is that it's impossible to please God without faith. So, um, and the opposite, yeah, the opposite of faith is, is fear. So are we fearful? Are we full of fear? Or are we faithful? We're full of faith. And the key to that is, is, is righteousness and right standing. The righteous will live by faith. And it's our shield. And I did a preach on it a couple of a month or two ago about just about faith. Faith being the shield of faith. Uh, we need it in our lives. It's, 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 it's key. It's one of the things we need to be able to exhibit. All right. And then last but not least, as I said, is self-control. So self-control is a fruit. You think about it. It's not something that you have to do. It's something that needs to be exhibited from you. It needs to be a reflection. And really all self-control from, from God's perspective is really being able to bring your flesh into line with your spirit. And, uh, and I think if, you know, one, 
yeah, and we can't do this out of our flesh. We actually have to ask him for, for, for this. You know, if there's areas, uh, so there's areas where there's lack of control and there's, in the, uh, and there's no fruit, I think it, points to, it does point to things like pornography. Guys and, and girls, it's one of these things that sits in the dark. It's like, I, I was thinking it's like a mushroom. It only grows in the dark. Pornography is something that can rob us. It can steal from us. It can steal from our family. And it's something that happens in the darkness. We need to open our lives to his light and let his light shine through. And I think that's 50% of the, of the battle won. We did a conquer series a little while back with some young guys. And it was frightening to see how many young guys and probably quite a big percentage, if not 80, close to 80% of the, of the girls, young girls were battling with pornography. And I just really feel it's one of these things that gets kept in the dark. And just speaking about how we need to allow the light to shine in us. If you bring this thing into the light, the darkness cannot prevail. And so I really want to encourage you guys. If you, if the guys, girls, if you're battling with pornography, don't allow yourself to be robbed. Don't allow your family to be robbed. Your wives, your husbands to be robbed of these things. Um, because it's, it, it boils down to self-control and asking God to, to bring you into freedom. And part of that is... 50% of that is bringing it into the light. And bringing it into light means you've got to tell somebody about it because then it brings it into the light and that people can pray with you, somebody that you trust. Uh, we'll probably be running another Conquer series. I haven't checked it with the elders yet, but really the Conquer series is, is, is specifically for guys, that have, uh, guys and ladies that have been struggling with pornography. One of the things when going through it about a year ago, oh, six months ago to a year ago, um, was that this guy was talking about how husbands and, and, and lead, leaders and priests of the home need to be carrying a sword to protect your family. And he says things like pornography is actually pointing the sword towards your family. And I mean, geez, like that, that just blew me away. I was like, sure. And not that I'm struggling, but I just thought, if I ever thought of clicking a button or opening something ever again, that thing's going to sit in my mind. And so I just felt that the Lord really wants to highlight that particular point. Sorry, guys, I know this is hard, but it's real. And it's important. It's out of love. It's because I, you know, I want you guys to come into more. And if you're struggling with this kind of thing, it's really for you to come into more and to come into the light so that you can allow God's light to shine in you and through you again. Things like smoking, drinking too much, eating too much, losing your temper, being badly influenced by others. The Bible says bad company corrupts good character. So if you're hanging around the wrong people because you want to be accepted, this is where this is where you need to be accepted, is, is within the people that really care about you and really love you. And then uh, spending beyond your means, debt, getting ourselves into debt, all areas that point towards um, issues with self-control and where we're not allowing God's fruit of self-control, not allowing the spirit to align our flesh, allowing our flesh to determine our behavior. And uh, one other thing, we don't always think about when you think of self-control, you think, well, I've got good self-control. And I almost want to say that we can become control freaks. And uh, we take control because we're good at certain things. And we don't allow God to actually have control. And it's almost like that picture of the light where you, you put your hand in there because you're a control freak. And you can control things. And you put your hand in front of God's love and his, well, maybe not so much love, but his light that shines in because we get ourselves in the way. And I think there are some of us that I was like that. I'm pointing at myself first. I know that when I came on as an elder, I, I had an amazing experience with the Lord. You know, he, one of my favorite scriptures is Proverbs 3 verses 5, which is trust in the Lord with all your heart uh, and do not lean on your own understanding. Okay, and that was always a great scripture. I was like, I think 
quite a few people can say that's one of their favorites. But the Lord then specifically said to me, Greg, you're moving into more. You need to go to the next scripture. And if we have a look at verse, uh, thanks, 70. Um, verse 6, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Now that sounds pretty, I mean, that sounds great, you know, in all your ways, acknowledge him. But the Lord said to me, Greg, you're only giving me some of your ways. I need all of your ways. You're trying to control. You're happy to give you the things that, that you're not good at, you know, hand those over. I think some of us may be the other way around. We're happy to give the things that be good. You want to, you want to give him what, what you're good at and you still need to work on the rest. But I realized in my life there were certain things that I was holding on to that I was good at, and I hadn't actually submitted that to the Lord. And the Lord said, submit to me in all your ways, Greg, not some of your ways. I want all your ways. And that was just a revelation for me, and I just, I just broke down. I said, Lord, you have everything from whether I'm good at you know, um, my work or um, good at my sport. Uh, there were various areas in my life that I hadn't submitted to him and, and, and certain ways that I hadn't submitted to you. So I want to encourage you this morning. If you, a little bit like me, tend to be a, a control, if somebody's ever called you a control freak, once again, just ask your uh, husband or wife if you're married, because that'll be the easy way of, of, of assessing it. And, and it's really just to, uh, guys, you know, it's so important. I know I'm making light of it, but it's so important that if you are, you are somebody like that, that the danger is, is that you could be blocking uh, the flow of that light through your life. So, we can pray and ask the gift of self-control, and achieving victory is based on relying on his strength. If we can maybe just close our eyes. A change happens not by words, but by the revelation of who God is. So in order to, but in order to change, you need to allow God to work in your life and to shine his light into all areas of your life. He needs to be able to shine his light into every room in your life. And as I've been speaking, and I believe it's the Lord speaking through me, as I said, it's not, but it's not by words, it's by the revelation of whose God is. So the Holy Spirit has been revealing something to you in areas of your life that you may not be reflecting Jesus well. If your rainbow is either dull or there might be areas that you're not reflecting at all, and you're not demonstrating the fruits, and you're struggling to witness in certain areas, the good news is that those fruits are available to you. So there's two things that need to happen. One is we need to say, if there's something that's pre uh, preventing the fruit, is to say, Lord, I'm sorry. But first, I think maybe what we should do is, uh, maybe let's respond to that. So if there's something that the Holy Spirit has highlighted to you, as I've been speaking, any of those, any of those issues regarding unforgiveness, regarding not, not spending time in the presence of the Lord and having your, your joy robbed, whether you don't have peace and you've got internal turmoil, if you're impatient, if you're fearful, and if you're battling with self-control or controlling too much, I'd like you just to stand with me. So if there's anybody who feels that the Holy Spirit has highlighted any of those areas in your life, I'd like you to stand.